Here we are. It's noon in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and Sacramento, California. And this is news that you can use for Thursday, October 12th from Car Edge with your host, me, Ray, and not Zach Justice. Not Zach. Yep, still not Zach. Just, yeah. I am doing well. Well, I'm, I'm glad well. to hear it. Thank you. Thank you once again for filling in for the young man. Oh, I'm always to, happy to be here. Yeah, I've yet to hear from him today, so I hope all is well with him, um, and I hope all is well with you. It is. It's uh, it's another sunny, beautiful day. You know, it's sunny here at the at the Jersey Shore, um, and it looks like a beautiful day. But I dressed in fall colors for today, um, in what I refer to as the month of October. It's the month of pumpkins and politicians, ladies and gentlemen. So here I am. Dressed at least as a pumpkin. <laughs> and is it the politicians that turn into pumpkins at midnight? Is that uh... Uh, yeah, they just turn into BS? That's all. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they they already are that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I see my son came up with just the greatest headline for today's show. Um, the UAW. Well, they just did something unseemly to uh, Ford. Um, geez, do do we have an article unseemly? suggesting? Well. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's unseemly. I mean, they they did what I kind of expected uh, in the beginning, which was, uh, you know, they they had workers walk out of a plant, yeah. <laughs> a larger plant like, oh, that's called a strike. Yes. That's what we're. Uh, yeah. So so what you're suggesting is that a month ago when the UAW went on strike, you thought, well, I don't know, they would actually strike the plants that might are actually um hurt the manufacturers yeah that's what i thought the point of a strike was was to inflict a little bit of pain upwards yeah so you can get your uh you know your negotiations going and it seemed they they've been so gentle lately no and i'm not to, whether you like the uaw whether you like strikes or not no matter whose side you're on the whole point yeah. of a strike is clearly to get your points out there to get negotiate for what you want and to do that you need to inflict at least a little bit of pain and i feel like they've been so gentle up to this point so i saw this and i went oh okay well now we're talking like hey ford you better listen up well yeah because the uaw has expanded the strike to include one of ford's uh, truck manufacturing plants i think what in kentucky um and they've um, 8,700 employees walked out at that plant. Now, let's face it, Ford makes the bulk of their income off of the sale of large SUVs and pickup trucks. And I mean, and it hell, loses it all on the EV side. Exactly. And, and, you know, when we were in Detroit and we went to the Rouge um, facilities to, you know, we went on a Saturday when the UAW was off, the plant was, the manufacturing plant itself was closed on that Saturday. They only operated every other Saturday, but it just seemed odd to me that in the middle of a strike when we're there, well, well, yeah, it's just the, the plant runs under normal conditions, but yeah. right, there is a strike, just not here. And it, it is almost like, well, why are you striking if you're, if you're not striking fear into their financial hearts. That's that's what I thought, too. I mean, like, I was really grateful to go to the plant and, and have all those people. I was, but I was even surprised that 
those people were there. Yeah. Like, well, why are the tour guides here? Why are why are the you know because they're actual workers? Yeah. Too. I, and I was like, I, I was really surprised. It's not how I've seen strikes done before. Well, and and you and I were having this conversation uh, prior to going on air, and and the only thing I could ascribe it to is. You know, the UAW has hundreds of millions of dollars socked away for their uh, union members when they are on strike so they can pay them 500 hours a week. Now, I think we can all agree 500 hours a week is a far cry from what most of these people were making, and 500 hours a week doesn't go very far for very long. But I, I, I think the way that they've done this strike is is that – it allows them to continue to have funds available as they further roll out more plant closings due to the strike. You know, if everybody would have gone on strike at the beginning, that war chest of, of funds to pay the, the, uh, the union members would have been whittled down to nothing rather quickly, I would suppose. Yeah, yeah I, you know, and there's... I, you know, I grew up in the eighties and I remember the strikes and stuff. And then, and, and there was always sort of that floating in the background is that the workers need to sacrifice and not get paid while they're waiting for the, and I like that, you know, these unions have a war chest at least yes. to pay them something, but to your point, you know, $500 a week, uh, you can't pay your F one fifty monthly bill, uh, um, your no. auto loan with $500 a week. No, it's you know I, I I'm just guessing that that even the lower tier employees are making more than five hundred a week, uh, but I, I, you'd hope so, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and even if it's only a thousand a week, to suddenly have to get by on half of what you were earning, um, that's difficult for for people, and and obviously they can't afford to do that for a very long period of time. You know, yeah, I, I wouldn't think. No, I, you can't. And, you know, that's always been the, the balance, right, in these strikes is, you know, the corporation going, well, we can outlast you. Um, you know, and that's always been the, the back and forth. So at the same time, it seems like hitting the corporation hard in the beginning is a better factor to because drawing it out like this, maybe that, you know, you're making it easier for the corporation to outlast you. Perhaps I, you know, it's, like it's, it. yeah, you know, I, all I can say is thankfully I have never been involved in a strike. Um, and I have never worked anywhere where there was a strike. Uh, so I, I don't know what the best negotiating tactic would be to create yeah. the leverage that one needs in order to get, um, the manufacturers to capitulate. Um, at, at a certain point, and and what that time frame looks like. I, I mean, just because you know, I was foolish enough, obviously, and I will I will admit that my prediction that the strike would last ten to fourteen days was wrong, like most of my damn predictions. Um, and well, that's well, all right because then you have Zach making the opposite prediction. So Courage is never wrong. Well, that part see true. how that works. Yes, but. But, you know, I, I just just because you go on strike um, doesn't mean that that 
the amount of leverage you need in order to get the people you're striking against to actually negotiate in a manner in which you need them to negotiate is going to happen anytime soon. It, whether whether the whether the UAW had an eight hundred million dollar war chest for their members is irrelevant if I don't know the manufacturers have a thirty billion dollar war chest to fight them off. Um, yeah. So you that, know and, that they can get from taxpayers if they just end up spending too much money fighting off the union in the first place. Yes. Like, so. Yeah, I, I don't know where the leverage comes from. At what point, you know, the manufacturers say, "Okay, enough is enough. Let's we'll give in a little bit. Let's give it a little bit. Let's go back to business." Um, yeah. Because I can't think of too many strikes that there's been where there hasn't been a resolution. Was it? I guess the air traffic controllers when when Reagan just said, "Yeah, well, well, with it, we'll fire them all." Um, yeah. But other than that, I can't think of very many strikes where, you know, the strike is still going on 30 years later. Um, I think you had uh, Kramer from Seinfeld, right? He he was on strike <laughs> for 30 years from the bagel company. <laughs> I think that's about it. Well, there you have it. That, um, that's it. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I worked in the restaurant industry, you know, as you know, for 30 years and uh it was funny. Anytime anyone talked about unionizing in that industry, they'll go, uh, we're just going to go ahead and close this restaurant down and yeah. we're going to buy a space two blocks over and we're going to rebuild over there because that's cheaper than us uh, letting you unionize. And that's great. And I've actually seen that happen. Um, so, you know, I'm. I speak in theory on unions because certainly I've never worked anywhere that was unionized. Uh, well, that makes two of us. Um, but I would imagine this shuttering this plant for the time being will draw um, the attention of the negotiating team at Ford. Um, you know, because the one thing that they don't want to lose is the profitability of their big trucks and SUVs. Although I am thoroughly convinced, and I could be wrong again, but I am thoroughly convinced that they have an ample enough supply of of trucks that have been built and ready to be shipped to hold them over for quite mm -hmm. some time. Um, and the fact that sales are slipping, well, that's another thing that would indicate that there's enough inventory to hold them over yeah. for quite some time. That's what I keep saying. Like, inventory is not moving. You know, we've seen it, you know, watching inventory the last four weeks. It's not on the retail side. It's not moving. Yeah. So, you know, that gives them a longer leeway. And they keep sort of going back and forth with the this Canadian strike. Mm -hmm. um, you know, where we're going to strike and we're not going to strike. We're going to strike. We're not going to strike. And they keep seeming to hold them off. So, you know, vehicles are still being built there. They're being built south of the border. Mm -hmm. Both of those places combined make more than what we're building here in the U.S. So it does seem like these manufacturers still have the upper hand to me. Yeah, they 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 can afford to hold out. Yeah, a little longer. And somebody said, "And here, oh, come on, Ray, give us a new prediction." Um, I I I I don't know. I mean, will will it be over by Thanksgiving? Uh, 
I don't think it's going to be over by by Halloween. Um, I, 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 you know, you just I'm not reading anything that suggests that they're moving closer to a resolution. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, I, I, I would, I would think that with the holiday season fast approaching, that UAW workers would probably like to be back to work prior to Thanksgiving and like to be able to afford, um, holiday gifts for their families, uh, come December. So, you know, maybe that would be enough to spur people along. I don't know. Well, and that, you know, that makes me, if I think from the mindset of an evil corporation, yes, and I'm not calling any of these evil, but if I think from that mindset to me, I go, great, let's extend it to January. Let's see if you want to go through the holiday season mm -hmm. uh, with no money for your family and no way to get together. And then I bet you, you bend, uh, you know, come mid-December. I bet I get my way in, and you cave before <laughs> I do, uh, you know, and that's, that's gotta be somewhere in the heads of some executives up there. Oh, um, I would think. You, I mean, you can, we're at this time of year where I feel like it's easier to break the workers than, you know, doing this in February where they go, hey, you know what, like we're going to strike for what we want because the holiday season puts a lot of pressure on you already. Yes. No, I, 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 and I am sure that the, that a lot of the negotiators from the manufacturer's point of view are in agreement with that where, you know, we're, we're, we're going to force them to go through the holiday season, yeah. uh, trying to get by on 500 bucks a week. And, and they're going to grow weary of that. And, and I know people hate when I use the word weary because my son always uses it incorrectly. Um, but they, <laughs> they are going to grow weary of that. They, they will tire of not being able to have uh, enough money, you know, for Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and, you know, whatever else it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I think that has to be. Uh, a negotiating tactic, and one would hope, one would hope that at a certain point, and that certain point would come sooner rather than later, that cooler heads would prevail, and yeah. and everybody would and everybody would realize it's in everybody's best interest. Let's just let's just really sit down and figure out a way so this doesn't have to continue. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Like we should get this should be mutually beneficial. Like, I don't, I don't want to see the unions doing to the corporation what they're supposed to protect their members from the corporation doing to them yes. either. Like, I, it needs to go both ways. And, you know, I'm going to say something that I know is going to blow up in the comments because everyone hates them, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, when I look at the Hollywood strike yes. that, that happened, um, you know, at least those people were speaking their mind and i don't mean the strikers i mean the studios yeah um studio executives are so arrogant they just go out there and speak their mind and you know you had the one from um from paramount who went out there and said well when you you stop being able to pay your rent and you start getting evicted um this strike will end and and we'll have our way uh you know and this guy goes on record saying that and you got to figure that's going through the heads of these oems now too they're just smart enough to maybe not go out and say that mm -hmm. to a publication um but 
that's got to be in this in their heads and that kind of thinking because if it's in hollywood's heads it's in a lot of these corporations heads on you know that kind of thinking and that i don't think gets anybody anywhere uh, yeah yeah i don't i don't think I, I don't think it works well when either side takes the position that we need to bring the other side to their knees. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, Hey, we'll outlast you and you're, you could be homeless. Like really is that, that there's no good faith in there. No. There's no, I want to work with you. There's just a, you know, just like food service. Hey, like, Hey, we'll just automate, forget it. We'll just, we'll just bring in robots. So see ya, you know, there's, there's got to be a human factor in all of this. Well, sometimes, uh, and and we've seen this proven in recent history. Sometimes humans just don't just don't act humanely. So, no. um, yeah. and 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 maybe that's what part of the problem is. But hopefully, hopefully they can they can sort this out sooner rather than later. We can find other things to talk about. You know, maybe maybe how the quality has dipped even further. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> but uh, before we move on to the next one, because I know we got another great story to talk yes. about. Um, I I would like to piggyback on Mark's question here. Didn't Ford make twelve billion dollars last year? And my question to you is, did they? Because I keep hearing conflicting. So the union says, you know, these numbers, but then Ford says. Um, well, but we lost all of it plus, you know, four billion more over here on the EV side of it. So which is it? Did they make that much money or did they lose money? Well, my guess is that they can make the books look any way they want the books yeah. to look. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it could be for tax purposes, they lost a lot of money because of all the loopholes that there are. And in reality, they really made a lot of money. Um, well, because of all the loopholes <laughs> there are. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that we ever get the real information. Yeah, it, uh, there's tax filings, and then, and then there's shareholder meetings, and they seem to maybe be a little bit misaligned here on their numbers. And I've just been trying to find out, like, so what is, which is it? Did you make record profits, or did you lose? money well according like to what they share with their stockholders they made record profits so um which is which is what justifies the boards of these companies approving the compensation plans that they've approved for these various uh, ceos um and and the least paid of these ceos is is jim farley at ford i mean he only made 21 million dollars last year and he was he had the smallest compensation plan of of the big three between he Mary Barra at uh, at GM and uh, I forget who it is at uh, at Stellantis. Yeah, I always forget his name. Yeah, well, uh, but the the Stellantis guy made more than any of them. Uh, well, actually. The company who lost the most gets made, paid the yeah, most. Right? Yeah, well, that would be Lucid. Yeah, that would. Yeah, yeah. Rawlinson. Yeah, he made more than anybody. But that was yesterday's tale. Yeah. Tale of woe. I think we have a different tale of woe today. We do. We do. Uh, a very familiar one to me. Um, yes, I love this one. Uh, you want to go ahead and tee it up? Um, well, are we talking about? Is it Victory Automotive Group? 
Yeah, that's the one for me. That's the yeah. uh, that's the one I'm I'm tired of hearing these stories, right? Yes, yeah. the Victory Automotive Group um, uh, took advantage of the uh, of the PPP loans during the COVID uh, um, pandemic, um, and those loans were supposed to be for companies with 500 or less employees, so that the companies could have the money in order to keep their employees on staff and keep paying them. And if the businesses did that, then the government would forgive those loans and you wouldn't have to pay them back. So Victory Automotive, God bless them, they settled um, with the government. Um, they're paying $9 million to settle a case. They they had taken $6.2 million in PPP loans that they didn't qualify for because, well, they're a company of 3,000 people, not less than 500. Mm-hmm. So they have to pay that money back plus a fine, plus they have to pay $1.6 million to the general manager of one of their stores who will turn them in um, for um, fraudulently getting, qualifying for these PPP loans. And my favorite thing, again, is, you know, who writes a check for $9 million if you hadn't done anything wrong? Um, Yeah, yeah, it's lovely that you could pay the fine and go, oh, we didn't do anything wrong. Well, then why are you paying the fine? Yeah, I, I, I what and, and I and I know the excuse. I'm, but I'm going to ask the question. At what point do we just, rather than give these companies the right to stroke a check and never admit any guilt, rather than do that, why don't we just, I don't know, actually take them to court? Let them be found guilty, and I know there's a cost associated with that, but one of the one of the provisions in a franchise agreement with manufacturers is that you can't have a franchise if you're a convicted felon. Well, fraud is a felony, okay? And so if if the the upper echelon of victory automotive gets commit gets convicted of fraud. That's a felony. And they could lose their franchise agreements with every one of their manufacturers. Um, by just paying a fine and not admitting any wrongdoing, they get to stay in their good graces of the manufacturers. Just take yeah. the damn people to court already. Just, and- you know. You know, oh. who who goes to jail for this? Like, don't you think you throw a couple of them in jail and make a point that maybe some of this stops? I mean, and they paid nine million, but let's but they took six point two in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, they had to pay one point six to the whistleblower. Yes. Good good for that guy, by the way. One point yes. six million dollars. Uh, yes. just to go, hey, this guy did something wrong. Um I gotta, I gotta start looking into people. Uh, but okay, so you paid that. The rest of the fine is almost nothing. Like, yeah, you had to pay back the six point two. Yeah, and then you know what? A couple million dollars for Victory Automotive, probably not that much. 
No, they're so, a top 150 you know, dealer group in the country. Yeah. So isn't it worth the risk? Because if they got away with it, like we know so many people did so far, um, you know, they would have been up. Didn't didn't they didn't didn't they produce two point four billion dollars in revenue or something the year that uh, at least last year? I mean, this is not this is not a small company. This is not a company of of fewer than five hundred employees. Um, th th you know, it's absolutely insane that that we yeah. allow that we allow businesses the opportunity to steal from us, the American taxpayer. And then on behalf of us, the government says, hey, well, you, you don't have to admit guilt, just pay it back. I ain't going to do that for me. Okay. If I did something like that, they're not going to go, you know what, Ray, just pay it back. We won't make a big deal out of it. Stop it. All. Send some of these people to jail where they belong. Give them a reason not to want to violate these these laws, not to want to commit fraud. Um, and, and that reason yeah. not to want to do that is the consequences for having done it would be, I don't know, you end up in a nice little jail cell for a few years. Yeah, when, when we roll out these programs, we got to, you know, it has to be like that. Like, I, you know, we were talking off air. There are companies that I know of that, took the money and then immediately had to give it back because there was outrage. That's one thing. But, you know, when when you're trying to get this money, you're right. So they brought in $2.4 in revenue, Victory Automotive did, and they ended up paying out $2.3 million more than they got from the loan. So $2.3 million out of $2.4 billion uh, seems like a very small sort of slap on the wrist fine to the company for, you know, for taking the chance of, you know, being able to keep all that money. Absolutely. It's just it's it's pure it's pure craziness. And especially when it when it absolutely. I mean, here's here's the really interesting thing, if I may, I'm going to I'm going to share some inside car info you know manufacturers have stair step programs and sales programs for their dealers and many dealers um, will report vehicles as being sold to collect money on those alleged sales <clears throat> fraudulent sales that aren't actually sold and Eventually, the manufacturers send in audit teams, and typically what they'll do is they'll pull a 100 random deals. They won't tell you what the deals are uh, in advance, and they make you pull a 100 deal files, deal jackets, and they'll go through those deal jackets, and they will, they will see how many of them were legitimate and which ones were illegitimate. And then they will extrapolate out based on the number of illegitimate sales that they found. And they will say, based on what we found, we think this, this is the number, the total number where you uh, didn't actually sell the cars and you collected money from us. Now, any way you and I were to look at that, that's fraud. 
Those are fraudulent sales. But what the manufacturers do, rather than terminate that franchise agreement with that dealer that committed fraud against them, what the manufacturers do is say, write us a check for the amount of money mm -hmm. that you collected that you shouldn't have collected. The dealer is glad to write the check because the dealer looks at it and goes, shit, it was an interest-free loan for the last three years. I'm fine with it. And if the manufacturers aren't going to hold their dealers to a moral high ground, and we know they don't. Um, no. Okay. Um, when they when they actually have the opportunity to do it because the fraud has been committed against them, if they're not going to hold them accountable, then I guess why would the government? When why? So I feel like you know, yeah, yes, you are correct. I'm not. I'm not going to argue that point. Obviously, you're correct, but. I think for some of us more naive, uh, hopeful people who look out at the way things should be, we go, well, the government is there to step in when people aren't doing the right thing and, and they're supposed to sweep this away. And before you go crazy in the comments, I know that's not the way it works, yeah. but that's the way we feel like it's supposed to work. I get it that it doesn't, but that's where, you know, like that's where regulation comes in. That's where we go, hey, you know, no, you can't do this. And it should be enough of a consequence, not $2.3 million on your $2.4 billion. Yeah. Um, you know, it should be enough of a consequence that these companies and people who are watching this sort of go, oh, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't take these chances. We shouldn't take these risks. We might lose our license to do business. Mm -hmm. um, we might, you know, but then none of that happens. And, you know, heck, we, how many times have we seen the CEO who does get fired for doing this shady stuff who just pops up over at another company over here making even more money because they know what they're doing? Well, and, and it's interesting that you say that because the general manager of the store um, that that became the whistleblower against Victory Automotive. And, you know, he, he got awarded $1.6 million plus $80,000 to cover his legal expenses. Um, think to yourself for a second, where's that guy ever going to be able to work again in the car business? No, um, yeah. We, yeah. I mean, and that's the whistleblower problem, right? Yeah. Is, is you get that, you know, um, I... I can mention a couple names. I won't, but uh, we know there are people who no longer live in the United States who sure would like to. Yeah, um, that have this problem because they just can't come back. So, like speaking up and doing the right thing seems to have more negative consequence than punishing the person who did the wrong in the first place. Exactly. Person who did the wrong seems to have a lot less you know, issues going forward in their life and doing things than the person who spoke up and said, hey, this is a problem. This shouldn't happen. This isn't uh, right. Yeah. 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 It's so, yeah, that poor guy, I, you know, and, and I, you know, he, he might be really, really good at what he does. And he might really run a store the way we would like it to be run. And there are going to be few and far places where he would be able to apply his craft 
um, because the vast majority of owners in the industry are going to look at him and go, well, if he turned on that company, why wouldn't he turn on ours? Um, is yeah, just, no one I'm, thinks, hey, we don't do anything wrong, so yeah. it won't be a problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, now maybe, maybe some some companies that want to do things the right way would bring this guy on board so he could see if they are not doing things the right way and so he can make them aware yep. of it. Um, you know, because there are guys that were, you know, there there are people who were who were career criminals, career thieves, who then go out and work for companies to help them with their loss prevention because, well, they know how a thief operates. So, yep. you know, they, they can apply there. As some suggest that I do, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> where You know, because many people in the comments are just, well, Ray screwed people for 43 years, and, well, now he's turned around and he he's found redemption and he's, He's trying to uh, he's trying to amend himself for all that and, and help people. Um, the truth of the matter is, I didn't find redemption. I I didn't screw people for forty three yeah. years. Yeah. But that that that's something else altogether. But you know, there are people who who do find the right path after they've been on the wrong path. But I I I feel bad for the whistleblower who who brought it to everybody's attention and then. As you said, you know the the people that actually did the the wrongdoing, the the negative consequence for them won't last nearly as long as the negative consequence for him. No, and you know, um, Igor's in here saying, you know, backing you up to like uh, even the good dealers aren't going to want this guy to work for them. And to your point, like, and yet the the Frank Abagnales of the world uh, make millions now. For having, uh, you know, yeah, they went to jail, but yeah. they ripped people off for decades and decades. And then we go, no, oh, yeah, no, no, come, we'll pay you. Like, man, the the bad guys keep winning, right? <laughs> just keep winning over and over and over. And oh. to that point, I, before we go, I do want to do the uh, really you got to be kidding me segment because yeah. this one caught me, the FTC Story. Oh, yeah, but before we do that, I do have to ask you one quick question. Yes. Um, I see that the uh, the winning Powerball ticket for $1.73 billion was sold in California. Am I talking to America's newest billionaire? <laughs> well, I do have my ticket over here. I will yeah. say I have not seen where it was sold. Yeah. I can tell you there's almost no chance it was sold in Northern California, but <laughs> but I do have my ticket and I will not check it until after the show because uh, I wouldn't be able to do the show. Yeah, well, well, I hope you win, but I hope you didn't win as well because <laughs> I, I like having you around here too much. Now, I guess we should get on to our favorite segment. Yeah. Really? You gotta be kidding me! Pull it up. This is this is the biggest one I've seen in a long time. I can't yeah. believe this. Yes, the FTC's proposed rules to ban junk fees might exclude car dealers. Here, let me help you with that. There ain't no might involved. Yeah. Okay, it will not include car dealers. Um, unfortunately. Um, so apparently, junk fees only only apply to Taylor Swift concert tickets. And uh, things of that nature. Um, crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, who else? Who else is doing uh, charging hidden fees and misleading fees? Uh, oh, uh, God. I mean, you got hotels. 
the resort fee. Oh, I love the resort. The resort fee. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Vegas resort fee. I'm always like, that's you know, twenty dollars a night for the room. You know, three hundred and eighty dollars for the resort fee. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> like that's not a twenty dollars room. Tell me what the real price of the yeah. room is. Okay, concert tickets. You you you, yeah, you buy. That's a, a big one. That's a. Oh real my one. god. There, there must be 30% in fees attached to those tickets. So so that you see the ticket for $89, you go to buy it. The next thing you know, they're charging you $129 on your credit card with all the fees. Um, restaurants with their service fees. I mean, sports. Okay, now, restaurants. I mean, I could I could delve into that. The, yeah. the service fees, I don't know, because those are usually advertised. What I don't like up here in Northern California, we have this a lot, are the uh, the healthcare tax and those things. So they get put on your bill like, so, oh, our workers need healthcare by law. So we're doing that as an extra fee. I feel like, no, that should just be part of the price of the the yeah. item on the menu, shouldn't it? Kind of, kind of like the reconditioning fee on the pre owned yeah. car. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that included in the damn asking price? And if it's not, it should have been. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's all these junk fees. And yet, and yet, uh, they're, they're thinking of excluding it in the auto industry where I feel like is the worst of them, yes. of them all. Like oh. it's, Maybe it's because of what I do for a living, but I do feel like the auto industry is the worst on those. Maybe it's because we, the, the industry is probably the ones who invented it in the first place. Um, you know, because everybody needs to have nitrogen in their tires. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, air is 78% nitrogen. So, yes, everybody does need to have nitrogen in their tires. Um, it is... And Scotch guard the inside of your car for only twelve ninety five. Exactly. So it would be nice if, for all things as they're advertised, if the advertised price was. This is a crazy concept. Concept. If the damn advertised price was the actual price, you had to pay for it plus tax plus sales tax. Should I don't know. Right. Look. Outside of America, um, sales tax is included into the price. So I have a lot of foreign friends, and you know when they come visit me here, they're they're always like, "What do you mean that's not the price of this?" Yeah, like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "No, the price says twenty dollars." I got up to the register; it's not twenty dollars; it's you know twenty three dollars. Like, yeah. what, you know, let's make the government be as transparent. Let's just say the price is what it is. And just list that out altogether. It it would it, it you know it it doesn't seem like it's that hard of a concept, but apparently that is a a a concept that that retailers just cannot grasp in the United yeah. States of America. Well, yeah, because there's there's the tax rate, and then there's the effective tax rate. Yes, which is always much higher. Than the actual tax rate. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're paying tax on all this other stuff. Too. You know, I just I looked at my electric bill today. I I, I I don't know. I can't figure it out why there's two parts to it. One's a distribution part and one's a and it's like, damn, you know, 
you know, I, I just, I need a fireplace or maybe I'll just start a fire without the fireplace. I don't know if I want to heat this place up in the winter. Oh, um, I, I get that. My, my electric bill comes with the actual bill and yeah. then there's a solar offset that I have to pay for people who got solar and aren't, uh, aren't feeding into it. And then of course I have my car registration and then I have an EV. So therefore I have an extra $400 for driving an EV. And then I'm like, so I'm paying more on my, my electric bill and I'm paying more on my registration. So great. This is, yeah. this, these are wonderful fees. They are, but you're the one who chose that electric vehicle. Uh, <laughs> well, we we have we have crashed through the forty minute barrier for our thirty minute show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so suffice it to say, I think I think we've caused enough trouble for one day, um, and I believe that tomorrow <laughs> my son will actually be here. Although I have. No real way of knowing that until tomorrow. So I don't want to suggest that that you should tune in tomorrow just to see if Zach's here, but I think you should tune in tomorrow just to see if the son of a gun shows up. Uh, <laughs> and and if he does, that would happen at say noon Eastern, nine Pacific, uh, eight a.m. in in Anchorage, six a.m. in Honolulu. Justice, thank you so much for not being Zach today. Um, My pleasure. And, Always happy to be here. And I believe I'll see you a little later this afternoon as well. That's right. We have a super secret project we're working on that's going to blow people's minds when it comes out. Uh, we will be doing that later. And then I will see you tomorrow one way or the other, either yes. at 9 or 9.45. For Car Edge Electric Unplugged. That's right. Um, that's right. We got a we got an interesting topic tomorrow. Yes, and we have our special Friday guest. That's right. Yes. Thank you everybody for being here today. We look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care now. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs>